Ladies and gentlemen, let's thank God today and put our hands together as we welcome our Papa, our Daddy, Ntatuaruna, Pastor Ray Come on, Orlando Stadium, give the Lord a shout. Come on, one more shout unto God. Come on, praise Him. Everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Bishop Moses, for such a wonderful, wonderful introduction. And uh, I'm really blessed to be here today. This is one of the highlights that I have each year that I partake uh, of, this, of this event. And I'm always honored truly honored to be invited back and I thank you for that and uh, Bishop Eddie bless you, good to see you today man of God and Bishop Ezekiel it's great to see you uh, amen. I know he's doctor but we'll give him the title Bishop I, I think I'll make him a bishop today <laughs> But all protocol observed. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. I'm going to be preaching today on the last words of a dying man. The last words of a dying man. You see, the last words of a dying man tells us a great deal about him. And we know that this one in history, whose last words not only tells us a great deal about him, but also tells us a great deal about how we should be and how our lives should be like him. 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus of Nazareth hung dying on a cross for the sins of the world. Seven phrases were recorded from his lips on that day. Now you know when you've been a pastor for over 40 years or so, and some of those that are with us today, Bishop Mosa, Bishop Eddie, have been pastors for many, many years. And it's amazing when you're dealing with somebody that's about to face Jesus, to go home to be with the Lord, what their last words will be, what the last things they will say. Now my text is Luke 23 verses 33 to 46. And blessed are the short window, they'll be invited back, amen. Amen. <laughs> And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. The criminals on the one, other on the right hand, the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. They've divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. 
He is the Christ, the chosen one of God. The soldiers also mocked him. Coming and offering him sour soup. Saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now what starts here and what continues here is this. The devil wants him to come down from the cross. Because if he came down from the cross there and then, there would be no savior. If he came down from the cross at that time, there would be no redeemer. If he came down from the cross at that time, there would be no savior for the sins of the world. So the enemy tried to get him to come down from the cross. And I want to tell you today, don't let the devil get you to come down from the cross of Calvary and to walk away from Jesus. But no matter what difficulties you face, no matter what you're going through, you're going to stand firm in Jesus. You're going to follow Jesus. Jesus is going to deliver you. Jesus is going to save you. Jesus is going to provide for you. And it's going to be a great day today. And if you believe that, say amen. He goes on, if you're the Christ, save yourself. And us, but the others answering rebuked him, saying, Do not even, don't you not even fear God, seeing you under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive due rewards of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now all you have to do today is say, Lord, remember me for your kingdom. Lord, remember me a sinner. I want to be saved. Lord, forgive my sins. And immediately your sins will be forgiven. Your life immediately will be restored. And you will live with him for eternity. Amen. Come on, you can speak to me now. That's better, good. It was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Jesus had cried out with a loud voice. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed. He's lost. So the first thing we see, what he said as a dying man on the cross, was you forgiven. Forgiveness. And Anne Lamott said, if unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You see, bitterness... And unforgiveness will bind you. It'll keep you in a place of defeat. And so this morning, make the choice to forgive. Make the choice to forgive the past hurts, the past people. Make the choice that you're going to walk in love. You see, he lived in forgiveness and he died in forgiveness. But he lives today in forgiveness. What a wonderful thing to know that you're forgiven. 
There's no condemnation. People will try and put that condemnation on you. They'll try and make you remember the past. The devil will try and make you live in your past. Listen to me. When he talks about your past, you remind him of his future. Come on, somebody. Say amen. In Colossians 3 verses 13, it says, Bearing one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Secondly, he said, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Right in the midst of what he was going through, he was on a mission. We have a mission in this country. The church has a mission in this country. The church is not going to follow the politicians. We'll lead the politicians. Come on. It's still the greatest hour for the choice, for the church to have a prophetic voice. God's not finished with the church at all. As a matter of fact, Bishop Moso, it's beginning to rain again. And it's the beginning of some great things God has. And God's going to work wonderful things through the church. You see, he stayed focused on his mission. Even when it would have been very easy to focus on his own pain, his own heartache, Jesus stayed focused on what he was about. Jesus stayed focused on the fact that he came to serve, to save, and to redeem. Then we can see he was a man of compassion. Compassion means love in action. Love in action. Jesus sees you as valuable and precious today. You're not just a nothing. You're not just a nobody. You're a somebody. You're a child of the Most High God. Amen. You're an ambassador and a priest, male and female. You're a joint heir with Jesus. You have been redeemed from the curse of the law. You walk in the blessings of Abraham. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You are going to be blessed coming in and blessed going out. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He'll never turn his back on you. He'll never walk away from you. Love in action is Jesus. In Matthew 9, verses 10 to 13. It happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? The reason why he did that is because he came to save the sinner. He never stood afar from the sinners and mocked them. Jesus never came to start another religion. He came to have a relationship with you. And today you can just come and you can say in fellowship, Jesus, I come. 
And his arms are open wide to embrace you. And Jesus would touch the sick. While the Pharisees were scared, they would get sick if they touched the sick. But he didn't. He ministered among the people. And Jesus said to those who are well, you have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And today, you can come just as you are. And if you come just as you are, you're not going to leave just as you are. He's going to change you. He's going to wash you. He's going to make you brand new. Amen? He's going to give you mission and purpose in life. He was approachable. And the unapproachable could approach him. And he would minister to them. And he would touch them and pray for them to be healed. He was a man of communion, fellowship. I think people that don't fellowship with anybody else become weird. You need to fellowship with the brothers and the sisters in the church. You need to fellowship with people that are hurting. You need to fellowship with people that need your love. In Matthew 27, 46, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lamai, Sabakatina. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now this is interesting. God forsake Jesus at the cross, forsook him. You know why? Because from that day onwards, God would never forsake you. Jesus took your place. Jesus took your place. And because he was forsaken, you will never ever be forsaken again. Father turned his face from the son. The greatest pain of the cross was his separation from the father. All of eternity, the father and the son had been one in. In this moment, the son understood separation from the father. He wants us to fellowship with him and for us to fellowship with one another. In 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom we were called into the fellowship of his son. Jesus Christ, our Lord. In 1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He was a man of humanity. He came not only to save us, but emptied himself, was 100% humanity and 100% deity at the same time. He walked the earth in his humanity so he could identify with us. He knows what pain, 
hurt, offense, betrayal is like. He knows exactly the pain it creates. In Philippians 2 verse 8, it reads, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He was a man of destiny. And you'll find this at the cross. He said, it is finished. It is finished. Don't let people come and say they can put the devil upon you and that they can make a curse upon you. You redeem from the curse. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Send that thing right back from where it came from. You're washed in the blood. You're more than a conqueror. You're victorious. Come on, somebody shout today. Amen. Philippines 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. And I want to close with this today because I think it's vitally important for us to see this. Of prime importance, he was a man of submission. He said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. With his last breath, Jesus was committed to remaining in submission to the Father. What trust to place his life in his Father's life. He'd never been through this before. He'd never experienced this before. He never had to contend with this before. He'd never been to the cross before. He had to put total trust in his Father. You know, there are times when God requires total trust of us. We might not understand everything. We might not know why everything is going the way it's going. But we can trust Him. We can put our lives in His hands. We can commit our way to Him. I'm reminded of the story of a young man that wanted to go and pray on top of the mountain. Depressed, discouraged. So there he went up to the top of the mountain. While he was up there, there was a strong mist that all of a sudden surrounded him. And he couldn't see in front of him not even six inches. So here he is, not knowing where he is, not knowing what to do, and so he starts to pray, and then as he's praying, he starts to walk. Thank you, Lord, I trust you. I trust you, Lord Jesus. Yes, God, I trust you. 
I trust you. Put my trust in you. And all of a sudden, he got to the edge of a cliff. Now, he couldn't see how far it was down to the bottom of this cliff. It could have been miles. So he's standing there, he's nervous. He says, oh God, my God, help me. And God says, yes, yes, I will. Well then God, if you're going to help me, what must I do? And God said, let go and jump. He looked up, he said, is there anybody else out there? Now, when the clouds cleared, he was less than six inches from the ground. And many of you are crying out to God today, God help me. And he says, jump, come on, jump into my hands. Come into my bosom. And you're nervous and you, your faith says, no, no, no. I want to tell you, this is going to be a great year for you. This is going to be a blessed year for you. This is going to be a breakthrough year for you. This is going to be an incredibly anointed year for you. This is going to see God open big doors for you. If you believe that, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Come on. Come on. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Jesus remained faithful right until the end of that day. Crucified, placed in a grave. That grave is empty today. It's empty. And he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors. And so while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, no one moving at this time, please, except those involved in the service. And you might be here today. And if you were to die in the next 24 hours, you have no idea where you would go. You don't know what would happen to you. And Jesus says, come. Jump off that cliff. Come. If you do the coming, he'll do the saving. If you do the coming, he'll do the washing. You do the coming, he'll put that robe, that ring, and those sandals on your feet. This is not about church. This is about a relationship with Jesus. Paul said, oh, that you might know him in the power of his resurrection. Today, 
Don't listen to your head, just respond with your heart. For God is speaking to your heart. And God is saying, what a wonderful day. The day of my resurrection, that you would come and receive me as your Lord. Behold, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. If any person will unlock his door, I will come in and I will make him brand new. He's here for you today. Well, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Ray, I prayed a prayer long time ago, might have been years, months ago. But I find myself living in a spiritual pigsty. Well, don't run from him. Run to him. Come home. Let him put those sandals on your feet. That ring on your finger. That robe on your body. And so right now, I want to give you the wonderful privilege and opportunity for me to pray for you. Please let me pray for you to get right with God through Jesus. Please let me pray for you to leave this place washed, cleansed, child of the Most High God. Please let me pray for you that you can be washed and made brand new. Please let me pray for you that you'll be forgiven, that your past will be your past. Everything becomes brand new. Now, if that's you today, I want to pray for you. And if you want my prayer for you today, Quickly, slip your hand up wherever you are in this wonderful, wonderful soccer stadium. Raise your hand up now and say, yes, pastor, pray for me. And host, help me. Quickly, raise your hand up. Let me see it. There you are, there you are, there you are, there you are. Hands are going up everywhere. This is not a show. This is not to be something better than anybody else. The Bible says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Make that choice today. Now, I can't see who's raising their hand, so I want you to stand if you, if, you, if you have raised your hand or need to, but stand up wherever you are. Stand. Come on, stand up as we look through here. Stand. Thank you, Jesus. Now, all of you that are standing, I want you to come. Bring your personal belongings with you. Come, and the others can stand with them. And if you need to come with them, come. Come on. Come.